Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leader Manager Coach. Welcome to the podcast. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another programme. Now in today's programme, I want to talk to you about something called identity. And the reason that I want to talk about identity is because in the research that I've been doing around the subject, it's become apparent that it can have an enormous influence on your ability to to coach people, to guide people, and to lead people. It can also have an enormous effect on your ability to achieve yourself. Now, I'd like to put the credit for all of this work down to, first of all, Brian Johnson, somebody I've mentioned before. Brian's done an awful lot of research and a lot of work into the previous authors who've talked about such things as habit formation. And one of those authors is uh, a relatively young guy called James Clear. And in his pretty modern book, Atomic Habits, He talks about habit formation. We have talked about it before on a previous podcast. And one of the things he talks about on the subject of habit formation is identity. And Brian goes into some detail to talk about identity. And this is something that really hit home with me so much that I've decided to make a real effort to put it into practice. Now, there's two aspects to this. One of them will be about yourself and one of them will be about the people that you lead and the players under your jurisdiction or the young people or the team that you lead or the people that you manage. And if we look at identity and we examine the meaning of the word identity, you know, you may come up with all kinds of things that that the word identity means to you. It may be a representation It may be something that's very closely linked to to who you are. But the dictionary definition of identity is that it is essentially repeated beingness. So it is what you repeatedly do. So your identity, according to the dictionary, is what it is you repeatedly do. And if we listen to all the literature, and I don't even think we need the literature in such cases, but we do become what we repeatedly do. If you do certain things, then there are highly likely outcomes that can be predicted. So our identity is very much linked to the outcome process. And James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, talks about two aspects of creating success, if you like. One of them is to focus on an outcome and one of them is to focus on an identity so it might be that it is let's just make it really really simple and it might be that you want your 
players or your athletes to do a certain amount of extra training away from your jurisdiction, away from the club environment, for example, that will add to their skill set. And you set them a, a goal along with them to complete that task. Now, that is an outcome because you've said them, the outcome we want is an extra X amount of time for you to practice this particular outcome. And what James Clear says is that the chances of success, the chances of that being achieved are much higher if the outcome is actually part of your identity. So instead of saying to the players, right, or saying to the people, your your athletes or your, your people, right, what I want you to do is achieve this outcome. I want you to go and actually implement actions that will create this outcome. If you can work with those people and get them to accept an identity so that that behavior is actually part of them, it is something that they consider that they want to be, i.e. they want to be a top-class athlete, a top-class player, a top-class performer, an achiever, whatever it is specifically. And that behavior is part of the identity of that person, i.e. what they want to be, and they begin to do it, there is a much greater chance of success, according to CLEAR, than if you just concentrate on the outcome. So actually focusing on an identity is a real key issue in getting the relevant mindset change for success to occur. Because if we concentrate on on an identity and then the person says, okay, I am a, and let's just be very general about this, I am a world-class performer, then the next question is, well, what does a what is a world-class performer? Well, a world-class performer certainly puts in X hours per week of focused training or focused practice. Therefore, if my identity is to me internally inside a world-class performer, I will put in that particular amount of activity. Whereas on the other hand, if I haven't accepted or you haven't accepted or your players haven't accepted that mindset or haven't got into that mindset that they are that person, then they haven't accepted or bought that state into their mind, then they haven't got that identity. And if they haven't got that identity, their behavior will not be driven as such. Whereas if somebody has that mindset, if somebody has that acceptance that this is my identity, I am somebody who does this, then the chances of that behavior being done are significantly higher. And when you think of it like that, it, it does actually make sense and it actually makes you feel completely different about things. Now, just to put it into perspective, I'm going to tell you a little story. And um, the story is basically that I thought, right, okay, how can I influence the players? How can I influence the boys who are in, in my squad? And how can I find help them to find that, their identity? And as I was doing this, a story came to mind about Gandhi. And um, the story goes something along the lines of somebody came to Gandhi and talked about 
the process of being healthy and losing weight and and that kind of thing. So the story goes. And um, Gandhi said, oh, come back in three months' time and we'll talk about it again. So in three months' time, the person came back to me, came back to him, and this time Gandhi answered him and uh, gave him a very concrete answer about what his beliefs were on diet and, and, and being healthy and, and eating correctly and, and things like that. And the person said at the end, well, can I ask you why it is that you sent me away to come back in three months' time? And Gandhi's response was that, well, at that point, I wasn't living the life and I wasn't implementing the things that you were asking me about. And my belief is, said Gandhi, that it's not what you say, it's who you are that matters. You know, the old phrase of um, what you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you say. And that your words only have a force behind them if you are the kind of person that has put them into practice yourself and you have empathy and understanding. So Gandhi wanted to live what he preached before he preached about it. And on that vein, as I was considering what it was I wanted to help the players with in terms of their identity, I thought, well, actually, what about my own identity? And just to give you a perspective on this, I don't think this is something that you can do in one sitting. I think this is an evolving thing. And I think it actually takes quite a time and it's something that you need to ponder, consider, do some deep work on, do some thought, thinking about and probably with a pen and paper and consider deeply what it is to you because basically what you're doing is you're designing your life because if you decide that your identity is X and you accept that and, and that then drives your behavior, then you will get nearer and nearer and nearer to the identity of X. So it's a really important one. And I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to open up a little bit, and I'm going to share with you some of the epithets, some of the key key things that I decided were absolutely fundamental to me. Some of the things that were really, really important. In fact, they weren't just important, they were vital. And when you are coming up with your identity it has to be something that resonates with you and, and it sounds easy but here's the challenge can you in six words describe your own identity you've got six words to describe and sum up and actually encapsulate you as a person as an individual as a leader as a manager as a coach whatever it is and you know it might take a while but he, here's the ones that I came up with number one authentic I decided that authenticity was the number one thing and the reason I decided that authenticity was the number one thing was the number one epithet in my identity was that if I wasn't myself, if I wasn't the author of my own life, if I wasn't doing in my own life what I felt was what I was here for, what I'm best at, what drives me, what inspires me, then what actually is the point of doing anything? So it has to be the starting point. And that was my decision to make authenticity the starting point. 
Number two, being present. Being in the here, in the now. Why did I decide that being present was so important? Well, if you're not present, is what you're actually engaged in, is what you're doing just a complete waste of time? Because if you're spending your time and you're mentally somewhere else, I don't believe you're actually achieving out of that activity what you should be achieving and number two what's the point of doing it anyway if your mind is somewhere else if your mind and your body are in different places most of the time then number one i don't believe you will achieve decent results number two it's a sign that something's not right so number one if you're doing what you're you believe you really really want to do and number two you're actually engaged in it fully I think that's a great start so number one authenticity and number two being present number three honesty I don't know about you but in my life one of the things that I was taught as a kid is always 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 tell the truth have I always done that no do I aim to do that yes And what's happened in my life is that I recognize very much that I had kind of a scale and I can honestly hand on heart say that, you know, I never went out of my way to deceive people. I've never gone out of my way to tell downright lies in order to gain an advantage over somebody. But what I have done is I've rationalized maybe not speaking the truth. I've rationalized telling what you might call white lies, which actually you think don't actually create that much of a problem. And maybe if I just ignore this and I don't speak the truth. And one of the people who has really affected me in this particular aspect was Abraham Lincoln. If you read the autobiography or the biography of Abraham Lincoln, um, I think Abraham Lincoln was known as Honest Abe, and the other person for me who who really, really nailed this in recent times is Jordan Peterson, who talks very much about standing up and telling the truth and speaking the truth, no matter what the consequences. And I can only say that honesty and being honest is something that resonates with me and is very, very, very important. Um, if I find out that there's anybody has been dishonest with me, I do find it extremely difficult to let that be a bygone, be bygone. It, it always leaves a mark for me. So being honest, honest with yourself, as well as honest with others, is an absolute fundamental of life. And believing in the law of compensation, as uh, Emerson talks about so profoundly, I think that uh, honesty is a phenomenal policy. So there you are. You are doing your own thing. You're being authentic. You're following your own path. You are present. And no matter what, you are honest. For me, that's a great start. Number four, bravery. I think that life will undoubtedly, because of its nature, throw at you 
situations that test you and test you on a regular basis. Some of those tests are relatively small and seem insignificant, but all the same, they are tests. They are challenges. And, you know, bravery for me isn't just about riding a white horse with a drawn sword into a particular field full of foes and coming back victorious with blood on you and um, saving the world. Being brave is demonstrated in many, many ways. Being brave is the mother who uh, stands up and says something on behalf of her children when it would be easy to let something go. Bravery is standing up and, and saying something to somebody who's in a more powerful position than you in a in a hierarchy. Bravery can be just as simply as getting up in the morning when you absolutely don't feel like it. Maybe you've suffered a tragedy or something's occurred in your life. Bravery is picking up the telephone and having a strong conversation that is necessary that will allow you to move on in life. So bravery comes in many, many forms. And I honestly feel that it's not a common characteristic. And it's one that I sincerely resonate with. Please don't think I'm saying that I am brave. It is something that I aspire to be. And being honest and being brave and facing the consequences of one's thoughts, one's words and one's actions is something that I hold very, very, very strongly. So one to four, number one, you're being authentic. You're, you are doing what it is you want to do and you feel you are here to do. Number two, you are present and actively engaged in that. You are not mentally somewhere else. Number three, you are honest. You are endeavoring honestly with an open heart and an open mind and are doing honestly what it is you believe you should do. And when adversity strikes, when situations occur, you face them head on. You are brave. Okay, number five, loyal. I don't proclaim to have many friends. I, uh, I actually think that if you have a handful of friends, people you can call on, people you can totally rely on, and you can count those on the fingers of one hand, I think you are a, a lucky person. You know, in today's age, today's 21st century of internet and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, people aim to have hundreds and thousands and maybe millions of followers. And I've heard it said that people aspire to have all these millions of friends and network and, and all the rest of it. And, you know, absolutely fantastic. I have not no, no, no reason not to identify with the benefits and, and positivity of having an enormous network. We don't achieve anything alone. We need other people in our lives. But being loyal for me is about demonstrating over the long period of time, over the long run, that you are there and you will be there. You can be there and you are a constant. And when things get difficult, when you are challenged, you are still able to support the people that you count as your friends. You can demonstrate loyal behavior by doing what you think is right, what feels right, no matter what the consequences. And people will recognize that. It's not necessarily what's right in the eyes of the law or not what 
you can get away with. It's about being loyal no matter what. And ask anybody, they will tell you who the people they trust are in those in their lives. And being a valued friend, being somebody who can be relied upon and being loyal is something that I value very, very highly. Okay, number six. Number six, related to loyalty, reliability. One of the things that I would feel quite affected by if somebody said that I demonstrated unreliability. I didn't do what it said on the tin. I let people down. I failed to do what I promised to do, what I'd said I would do, what I could do. So being reliable, being as constant as possible, being present and following through, being there for the long term is something that I value very highly. I believe that success comes from the long term. I believe that achievement takes time. And if you are unreliable in any aspect, you will not achieve what it is that you you want to achieve. People, Other people will recognize unreliability. And if you are unreliable to yourself in terms of keeping commitments, then the outcomes you desire will, will evade you to the degree to which you are unreliable. So we need to set that standard of being reliable. And it's not about how good we are. It's about whether we try. So reliability is to do with your efforts, not necessarily the outcome. So there we are. We are doing what it is or you are doing whatever it is that you are You feel you are here to do with your authenticity. You are present. You are involved in it mentally. You are honest. You are going about it in a a completely honest way. You are brave. You are facing all the decisions that you need to face and all the actions that you need to take. And you are facing them head on. You are loyal. When adversity strikes, you stick by the people you said you would stick by. And over the long term, because you you stay with the plateaus, you stay with the downtimes, you stay with the difficult periods, you know deep down in your heart that you are a reliable person. So do the people who, who are working with you. You can be trusted. Not a bad set of uh, characteristics. Number seven, humility. You know, it's easy and it happens all the time that a degree of success and adulation that goes with it and then in glory it's a bit like a disease that sets people on a track of malevolent egotism that can manifest as their downfall and there is nothing nothing like humility in terms of people attracting people to it you know um what do they say ego egotism is the funniest disease in the world it makes everybody sick apart from the person who's got it and if you remain humble if you realize that we are all fallible and no matter how great we think we are we remember the motto memento mori that we're all going to die and uh, we're all here by the grace of something else that gives us the power to breathe and uh keeps our hearts beating, etc., etc., And it's all those many, many people who do things 
above and beyond ourselves that allow us to lead the lives we live, you know? So humility for me is a great one, no matter how, how good you, you ever get or however great you think you've, um, you become. Number eight and the last one, resilience. I've gone beyond the six. I know that. I haven't yet managed to get it down from eight to six. But resilience is one that I couldn't leave out because as we all know, as you know, life will challenge you. And it's much easier to down tools and give up and stop. And there's nothing wrong in stopping. There's nothing wrong in resting. There's nothing wrong in taking a breather, taking a different path. But in terms of any kind of achievement, one thing that I do believe that separates the men from the boys, if you like, or the girls from the women, or whichever way you want to put it, or the winners from those who don't make it, is resilience. And resilience is that ability to withstand the knocks. That ability, as the Japanese say, to be knocked down seven times and to get up eight, to take one more step on your triathlon, to do one more stroke in your swim, to write one more paragraph of your book, to go and see one more client, to knock on one more door, to kick one more football, to swing the golf club once more, whatever it is that floats your boat. It's that resilience to do it no matter how you feel. And as I've said before, taking a break, taking a breather, having downtime, we're not talking about missing that out of your life. We're talking about resilience. We're talking about the long term. So what are your epithets? What is your identity? Because believe you me, your identity will form the person that you will be in a month's time, a year's time, or five years time. And I'm, I'm absolutely committed to following this process of nailing down and evolving this identity so that you know it, it drives what it is that I do in my life so that the outcomes are as near as possible to what I want them to be if I could give you one piece of advice from from James Clear's Atomic Habits and Brian Johnson's notes on it sit down and take the time to design what your identity is to write it down and see what you come up with so moving on from that, in terms of the players, I came up with, again, a number of characteristics that I believed were important for my specific players. Now, one of them, and I won't go through all of them, but one of them, I gave him an identity as dominant because he's a young man who can dominate, but doesn't always dominate. So I, I, I talked to them about identity and I, and I I gave them all a piece of paper and I'd written this on and I said, this is your identity. And they all stuck their hands up and they all said, well, what's my identity? And I gave another one, play high, because this is a player who tends to drop back and drop back and drop back and shows a lack of confidence. So I said, your identity is that you always play high. And then another another young player who tends to lose his, his focus on a certain area of the pitch I said, your identity is your awareness. I said, you are always aware. You play with awareness. Your identity is awareness. And, you know, they really grabbed hold of this. And when I questioned them a week later and said, okay, what's your identity? They all said, 
my identity is this and my identity is that. And I've encouraged them to, you know, make their own identities. That The one that I gave them was the coach's view. And I said to them, look, it's your life, it's your game, it's your future, it's your identity that matters, it's what you want to be. And so I would encourage you strongly with the people in your organisations, I would strongly encourage you with your players, with your athletes, to recognise what you see in them and encourage them and share with them what you think their identity should be and what help them to find out what their identity is for them because it will drive their behaviour. And, uh, you know, hopefully these these people under who, who, who we influence will go on and um, they'll achieve things. And th- those achievements will come from from many, many things. And uh, you might be one of the leaders in their life that, you know, they don't ever remember. But it's that that identity that maybe you gave them when they were 13 years of age that has driven driven many things that lead them on to to achievement and success in life so that's what identity means to me and there's been lots of detail in here i wanted to share that i hope i've got it over to you but have a look at identity have a look at atomic habits by james clear as i said before check in with brian johnson and uh, let's use identity as part of our uh, social and and psychological elements of uh, achieving success in leading managing and coaching been a great episode it's rob riles leader manager coach podcast you know as always great for you to share time and i do appreciate it if you want to catch up you want to have you got any comments you want to you want to talk about www.robriles.co.uk or catch me on facebook and linkedin great to chat speak to you again bye-bye